Thank you for downloading the PR Week, PR Week's weekly podcast. For more podcasts as well as breaking news, visit PRWeek.com. Thank you for downloading the PR Week, PR Week's weekly podcast. For more podcasts as well as breaking news, visit PRWeek.com. Welcome to PR Week, the regular weekly roundup of everything that matters in the worlds of PR and communications. My name's Steve Barrett. I'm the Editorial Director of PR Week, going to guide you gently through the next 25, 30 minutes. Depends how the show goes as we pick up on a busy week for PR Week and a busy news week as always. And a fantastic guest, it's Kim Sample, the relatively new president of the PR Council. How are you doing, Kim? I'm great. Really nice to be here. Thank you so much. We, and I'm holding on to new as long as I possibly absolutely. can. So let's go with that. We, yeah, we, 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 we like new. We like new and bright and shiny. I hope you weren't too alarmed by my over-enthusiastic <laughs> intro as well, which I forgot <laughs> to warn before. you about. Yeah, indeed. And uh, Frank Washcook's here, our uh, news director of PR Week. How are you doing, Frank? I'm, I'm doing well. Thank you for uh, allowing me to come on this week. Mate, it wouldn't be the same without you. And you've just been for a nice lunch upturn. Did you have anything yeah. uh, good to eat? Oh, I had a Greek salad, and it was uh, it was very tasty. Yeah, that's quite healthy for you. You know, when you've got uh, sort of fried foods with pouring mayonnaise all over them. I mean. <laughs> Oh, yes, th- thank you for uh, yeah. yeah. But anyway, but anyway, uh, let's. What are we going to talk about? Well, we'll chat to Kim. Obviously, we'll talk about the PR Week Awards shortlist, which came out this week. Really interesting set of work and uh, people lining up to win in March. We had our Hall of Fame dinner on Monday night, which was a great evening. Really enjoyed that. A lot of fun honouring the legends. Um, we'll talk about a new role for David Albritton, um, GM. Uh, communications exec and one of the good guys. Um, some a- interesting agency stories this week, French West Vaughan and ICF. And Amazon is apparently hiring SKD Knickerbocker, which is interesting. And Wendy's is weighing in on Fortnite. Frank Washcook will tell us what Fortnite is and what that all means and all things social media. <laughs> and we'll pick up on Unilever, Keith Weed and Paul Pullman. They're both retiring after long stints at the uh, big... Uh, CPG manufacturer and uh, one of the iconic global companies that sets the sets the trends. But Kim, let's talk to you first. When did you start? We you're talking about new, new in the role. So when did you uh, start your role at the council, and how's it going? Yeah, it's great. I think it's great, though. Ask our members. Um, I started the beginning of August, so okay. I'm a few months in. I've spent a lot of time trying to talk to our members. As you know, we have members of all sizes all over the country. So it's been really fun to get out and get everybody's feedback. Yeah, and just for anybody who doesn't know, the PR Council is the kind of trade body in the U.S. for the PR agency sector. Right, exclusively for agencies. Yeah, and that could be... Are there size limitations on what agencies can join, and how does that work? How does your membership uh, pan out? Yeah, for the most part, um, our the smallest members are maybe a million dollars in revenue and have three or four full time staffers, up to the biggest players in the industry. So we're serving all sizes of agencies and just trying to make sure that we're delivering value when they have very different needs. So that makes it fun. Yeah, indeed. And I guess you're reflecting a lot of, just like we do, you, you also got to make sure you reflect the whole country and not, not be too New York focused or East Coast focused. 
Yeah, that's actually been a lot of feedback I've been hearing. Um, and I think that's great. I mean, one of the reasons I love this job is I'm super nosy. And this is like, you're welcome to go and ask tons of people all kinds of questions about yeah, their that's business. That's why we like being and their clients. Well. Exactly. Yeah. I didn't know how much fun you guys had. Um, so I've been listening a lot, and we're going to do a much better job really involving all of our membership across the country, getting out in those markets. There are some incredible PR markets where, you know, there's a lot going on. And making sure we're taking care of agencies of all sizes. Yeah, yeah that's a good point, actually. I noticed that when we get the 40 under 40 competition that we run each year, we get maybe 400 um, entries. And we get some great entries from markets all over the country, cities where people are at agencies that are maybe not as well known, but just doing fantastic work, you know, and really doing great work in their local markets and cities and regions. And it, and it's, it is good that, to reflect that for sure. So, and, and we're trying to do that on, on the podcast, especially, but also generally with our coverage. So I'm glad that you are, you're making that a focus. Now you spent your career in agencies at M and Eight and Ketchum, and um, and now you're sort of doing a, a slightly different role. What's the biggest change been, and and what's the biggest surprise, and and maybe the the thing that um, you you found most um, exciting, you know, to be, to have this new role. Cool. Um, well, I'm an I'm an agency animal. I mean, I've been at Golden, I've been at Marina Mar, I've been in a couple of travel boutiques but most of my career was spent at Ketchum. Um, I have a lot of heart for agencies of all sizes. And, you know, having started a business, an agency, like there's a lot of support you need when you're starting out. So love those newer agencies as well. But um, I guess what was most interesting to me, A, on a personal note, like I'm having a love-hate relationship with the idea that I'm not doing new business anymore. I don't have that pressure. I don't have that excitement. I miss that. Um, Do you miss pitching, really? I, well, I think it's easy to miss it when you're far yeah, away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's so exhilarating. And there's also such a sense of camaraderie when you're you know, toiling away on new business. So I do miss that part of it. Um, but I think the agency business is incredible today. And one of the things I'm most excited about is I just, I feel like we've always had this insecurity complex. Now, in, I made a new word. Inferiority. Inferiority <laughs> complex. I, I, I like, the, I yeah, like your it's word. Kind of nice, isn't it? It's mine. No, but yeah. Frank, don't take it. I'll spell it for you later. Um, but I, you know, there. Our business is great. I mean, it's never been more exciting with all of the integration. I'm one of those people who believes we should be PR companies. I don't want a bigger competitive set. I like saying what we do, what we specialize in, what we bring to the party. Um, I love earned at the core programming. I think it works really hard. It is very efficient and effective. So what I want to do with our membership is sort of reclaim earned at the core. Maybe we need to poke at the definition a little bit. Um, I don't really think we need to spend so much time navel-gazing, though. I'd like, I'd like to just go out and talk about the great work we're doing. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, I think the PR Council needs to showcase the best that our industry has to offer. You know, like so often we're content to say, oh, the cobbler's children have no shoes. I really think the council needs to be doing integrated work that the entire industry can be proud of. So you know what? 
I think we've got to do some earned media ourselves. We've got to do some PR. We've got to do really brilliant integrated programming. But it starts with great ideas and great content. So we're having a lot of fun tackling that and thinking yeah. about what's right for the full membership. Yeah, no, you're right. And, um, you know, the industry is changing. We see that in the, the PR Week Awards, you know, the type of work that we see. And, we've, you know, we've, we had a, one of the shortlisted uh, companies this year is Droga 5, you know, which is yep. an, it's an advertising agency. Yep. But everyone's doing earned, aren't they? If you look at Can, uh, a lot of the firms that are, are in the PR lines especially are not necessarily PR firms, but they're doing a lot of earned media and the PR firms are playing well in the other, in the other categories. So you're right, it's a mishmash, isn't it? And, um, and it was interesting, one of your former agencies, Golin, was a story we covered about them just kind of reclaiming PR yeah. because, um, uh, you know, it, it, sometimes people forget that, that, it, that that's what, what is at the heart and earned is certainly at the heart. So yeah, interesting stuff and stuff that we're, we're all over at PR week as well. So, and, and you're like us, you're not dropping the PR from the PR council. So you're keeping that. You know what? There are pretty regular drumbeat of people who say, have you ever thought of dropping that? And again, I just think, you know, we've got to say what we do. We need to claim it. You know, I'm not interested in being in a bigger competitive set. It's big enough already. Yeah, that's right. Um, so what other big issues do you think are on your agenda, on your to-do list, in terms of uh, moving forward over the next 12 months and for, for the agencies and hence for the PR Council? So one of the things I'm, I think is most important is, like, we have a responsibility to future-proof our member agencies or help them. Um, so that's going to really be our platform hopefully for the next few years, as agencies of the future. What do we need to be thinking about? You know, this business requires constant reinvention, um, so we want to help members do that. So the, when I look at agencies of the future, I sort of see it in three buckets. There's that earned, but it's ingenuity and integration. Like, I do believe creativity is a huge part of what we do. So I want to shine a light on that, help our members in that area. The second pillar, in my mind, is sort of built to serve clients. These are the things that we've got to be doing more with the operational or business side. So technology is in every part of our business. That's a huge undertaking. If you're a smaller agency and you're going to evaluate the different tech platforms and look at what works for your agency. So we want to do more information sharing. That's one of the things the council really does best is sharing best practices. So we want to share best practices across technology. There's some other things under that, like um, ethics, so critically important. Yeah. I'd love for us to take a modern look at ethics and really do some great exploration and standard setting around that. Then the third pillar that I'm really interested in is modern workforce. And one of the biggest areas under that is diversity and inclusion. And I'm super passionate about that area. I, I, just, I think it's a, a business imperative. It's a moral imperative you know, you can't do business unless you represent the population. So I, I want us to try some new things to improve the diversity in our industry. But also, you know, our She Quality Initiative falls under that modern workforce. And I think something that we don't talk about, you know, we do a lot of hand-wringing because, oh, well, the compensation isn't in great, as great in our industry as it might be in others, particularly for young people starting out. But there's so much that's great about our industry. Like I've never been bored in my entire career in agencies. So just the diversity of the work, you get to know so many fun facts about so many different industries. 
and there's the flexibility, you know, to be able to have the kinds of flexibility you can have very young in our industry. I think that's a real selling point. So we've got to talk more about those things. Yeah, that's good stuff. Um, we've been working with the PR Council on the Diversity Awards for the last few years. So hopefully we can t continue that partnership. And that's I think we that's that made some great ch strides, but still a long way to go. Um, I think our 40 Under 40 group this year is probably the most diverse group we've ever had. It's and the atmosphere exciting. at the uh, Edison Ballroom on that night was uh, terrific. Um, yeah, so so on the ethics front, it was interesting in the UK, wasn't it, with the Bell Pottinger issue last year, where the PRSA, the trade body there, which um, is, I guess, the closest to the PR Council, it's not just for yeah, agencies. The PRCA, right. P PRCA, sorry, right. yeah, PRSA is the uh, American one, getting my uh, acronyms mixed oh, up. Um, but they did come out very strongly on the ethics front when that happened and very, really did take a stand. Um, so, so I'm guessing that, well, we hope something like that doesn't happen in the U.S. But Right, it, but, it, you know, but it, it, we would take a similar stand yeah. if, um, you know, one of our members was involved in anything that violated our ethical guidelines. Yeah, for sure. I, I think that's super important in our industry. I mean, just paying attention to that, making sure we're being truthful, using plain spoken language, like I really care about all of those things and they're important for the industry. And then that the other part of what you were talking about, I think is almost selling the profession, isn't it? Because right. we did this thing recently where people had to ask their parents or their family members what they do, uh, what is PR? And it's, it's funny when you hear the answers, but it's actually, that's, there's a serious point there, isn't there? That how can we sell a profession like this if people don't really understand what it is? So, um, and we need advocates. We need people who can advocate to the government, you know, and, and, and advocate just generally in the media for for the profession. Right. So, so that's that's another good focus. Look forward to look forward to seeing you uh, working on all, all those Kim. I'll next report back. Months. Yes, hopefully. Indeed. Well, we'll see you regularly. Um, so, uh, yeah, and we can. Um, we will definitely be covering it, and we we cover a lot of those issues as well. So um, yeah, looking forward to to working with you on that, uh, Frank. Let's uh, talk about a busy week. We had the PR Week Awards shortlist um, that came out on Wednesday yesterday, and uh, we had our PR Week Hall of Fame dinner, didn't we, um, on Monday night? So busy week for the brand. And uh, what were the sort of top line findings from? From the awards shortlist. Well, the awards shortlist is always one of the highlight days uh, of the year. I think that a lot of people will be looking in March to see if Weber Shanwick wins Agency of the Year again, or if the streak is halted. Uh, that would that's be a, a quintuplet of victories, wouldn't it? It would be, and I, you know, I was. Um, I may have just made up a word myself there. But anyway. <laughs> that's, that's all right. Let's keep score. <laughs> but in terms of the awards judging and the shortlist, there's a lot of really interesting consumer campaigns this year. Uh, you know, coming from IHOP, changing their name to IHOB, and all of the yeah. earned media they won from that, and some other ones as well. Yeah, and, and the, the way the agencies are going to market is interesting. For example, Edelman is in there as Edelman, but it's yes. also in there as Edible, which is... Uh, and it's a subsidiary of Daniel right. J. Edelman, mm -hmm. conflict shop, you might say. Um, I'm sure they wouldn't say that, but um, uh, they've got Zeno, obviously. It's a specialty a... unit, I'm told. Okay. Yeah. Um, Zeno is a subsidiary of the group. And then there's United Entertainment Group, which is right. their sort of JV for branded content. Um, so that's interesting to see how they're representing. 
if you look at uh, there's a there's a bunch of um, shortlists for Budweiser. And yes, that is a consortium called 3PM, which is Weber Shanwick and PMK BNC, but they're going to market as 3PM. So it's it. It's kind of, uh, to your point, Kim, it's about the way, the, the differing ways that agencies are going to market as well, isn't it? And we'll yeah. talk about that actually with a couple of the stories. So one other thing about it too is when you look at who is in the running for the Outstanding Agency of the Year Awards, uh, you know, it's interesting to see, you know, who is not in the running anymore, who is in the running for the first time or second time in mm -hmm. new categories. You know, I think one thing that jumped out at me is that, that Praytel has suddenly moved up to be a mid-size agency. Yeah. You know, you could remember Andy Prey founding that a couple of years ago. Yeah, so they won Boutique and then yeah. they won Small and now they're into the, the medium. So who knows what's next, you know? Well, World Conqueror. Look World Conqueror. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but, you know, it's interesting to see, uh, you know, firms like that come up. And I think this really shows it off. Yeah, and it was good to see. So we had a lot of smaller agencies doing well in this year's awards. And it's good right. to see some of them coming back, like CNC and FP1 Strategies, Adam Ritchie. And uh, it's, it's a first-time appearance for Carol Cohn on purpose. Yes. Yeah. You know, yeah. interesting CSR-based shop. Yeah, it's actually, uh, it's been interesting to see what's the, the shortlist this year. And you're right, I think doing blind judging as well, where where people don't know the the agencies doing the campaigns, I think that has been a good, a very good development too. And it's, it's really uh, improved this, the process even more. Because as we know, they're the Oscars of the PR industry, 35 awards. We don't, uh, it's not like a school playground where we give everyone a prize who turns up. This These are the... Creme de la creme. So they'll be given out uh, in March, March 21st in New York City. So do make sure you reserve your seat. What did you think of the Hall of Fame dinner, Frank? Uh, always a highlight night. Good to, uh, we had some long speeches. We had some short speeches. We had... <laughs> Uh, they were all over the place. They were. They? they were. We had an interesting cast of characters from uh, our old friend Harris Diamond, who is now at uh, McCann World Group, the former yeah. Ever Shanwick CEO. Uh, that was a definite highlight, wasn't it? John Graham, who uh, you know is a, a legend in the industry and gave the shortest speech he of did the night. A short speech, yeah. uh, you know, Rochelle Ford, who is known to pretty much everybody out there in terms of uh, being an academic and diversity advocate, and uh, you know, Lynn Casey Padilla, Dave Sampson. So yeah. a good a good cast this year, and let's not forget Joanne Bishman yes. from Harley, who I who I should not forget since she was sitting at my table, <laughs> and uh, had had an interesting interesting year leading comms at Harley. So what did you think, Kim, uh, of the night and the atmosphere in the room? It's kind of nice, wasn't it? It was. It's I not like super competitive. Event. I mean, I love all of your events. Thank you very much. But that indeed. one is just one of the most inspirational nights in the industry. I think I wish more people had the opportunity to yeah. hear it and just be in that room and the camaraderie, networking, yeah. everything going on. It's yeah, really it was, a lovely, lovely night. Yeah, it was good. And um, PR people are quite humble, aren't they? That was a, a theme that came out. The, they don't even. They don't really like celebrating themselves. Are you just figuring this out? Is this new? <laughs> uh, well, Steve's aha from. Well, the yeah, I'm, I'm not sure everyone would. No. Automatically associate Harris Diamond with humble, but right. I mean, he's an ad guy now. But he, right. but he really enjoyed, I think, coming back to his PR roots and seeing everyone. So. And it's great to see the success he's had with now managing a twenty thousand strong mm -hmm. agency. He's really turned McCann around, and he said some great things at, to end the night. Really about the importance of the industry now, the profession, why it matters so much in the current environment. So it was right. it was very inspirational too. 
Um, but yeah, a great night. It was great to see Harold Burson there, um, one of our yeah, really uh, nice former you know honorees, and a bunch of others in the room too. So it was uh, it was good fun. And may I add that uh, Harold outlasted several people at his table. <laughs> did, did he? Yes, he did. So <laughs> That's good to know. Good for him. It's always good to see. Him. Yeah, it is. Um, okay, let's find out about this new role for David Albritton, um, who's uh, actually moved beyond communications. We like profiling stories like that. We had um, uh, Pete Marino from Miller Coors right. here on the podcast earlier this year or even last year. And Pete, Pete's now got a business role at Miller Coors above, as well as communications. We've seen people like Stacey Tank, who was our chair of jury at the judging this year, who's now moved into a business role. And we like to see that because, you know, why shouldn't PR people go on to business roles in the, right. in, uh, you know, we, in fact, I think Rochelle was talking about that with Ken Frazier at Merck, mm. who's a CEO who's gone, who's come from the sort of communications public affairs background. So tell us what's happening with David. David is moving over to the G, uh, excuse me, to the president role, not the GM role, but at GM <laughs> Defense, which is the uh, the wing of General Motors, so to speak, that uh, works with the defense industry. Um, it, it's an interesting role, again, because it's a non-comms role. Um, and a GM Defense has only recently been founded, so he gets an opportunity to really make his mark to to go and help to shape this new organization. And, and an interesting time for GM, obviously, with everything that's gone on uh, with them in the past couple months, announcing a lot of layoffs. Yeah. Um, so you know, a, a brand, a company, very much in the spotlight. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how he uh, helps to mold this new company. Yeah, from the from the you know point of view of actually running the thing, mm -hmm. um, and he has a defense background as well. He used to be at Exelon and Raytheon, so he's got experience. Then, and he was in the services himself. Oh, that's right. Um, he's a Navy veteran. Yeah, so he's uh, he's a great guy, and I'm really pleased to see him doing well and doing taking on a role like that. Kim, why do so few people peer from, you know, graduate from PR to go into the C-suite? You know, because you do have that experience across all parts of the business, don't you? You're kind of the glue that holds it together or the liquid that sort of joins it together. Why do, why do you think more people don't get the chance to go on and take I'm on senior so, roles? so puzzled by that. Maybe they're just so unbelievably valuable in their comms roles. Maybe yeah. that's it. Yeah. That could, <laughs> I don't know. It is shocking, isn't it? Because yeah. so many companies tend to move around executives, but it seems like the comms roles do get left out. I suspect there's a little lingering perception that we're weaker at business, and that's something we should really work to overcome. Yeah, that's a good point, actually, isn't it? And it's, uh, when you ask senior professionals what their advice is, it's to get over this perception that PR people don't do numbers, exactly. they, don't, they don't know data, they're not very good on financials, and they don't know enough about business per se. And um, certainly, actually, Harold's person always would say that, get to know business generally and learn about business generally, and that will make you a far better PR person. So that's good advice, uh, for sure. But uh, yeah, good luck to David. Great, uh, great new role for him. Um, Frank, lots of agency stories this week. Uh, French West Vaughan and ICF amongst them. Tell us all about those Sure. Two. So French West Vaughan, let's start with them. They are taking a 50% stake. Uh, in the boutique fashion agency AMP3 PR, or maybe it's AMP3 PR, excuse me if I'm mispronouncing that. Uh, so they're moving into a brand new office space in New York and operating under the AMP3 brand. So interesting that they're taking the stake, but um, 
they will operate under the other brand. So, and they're going to have a combined team of about a dozen staffers led by AMP3PR co-founders Allison Roy and Dion Roy. So, interesting uh, business deal. Yeah, we had Rick French on the podcast a few weeks ago, didn't we? Yeah, and, and he's obviously an interesting agency owner. He owns part of a minor league baseball team. Yes. He has a lot of different business interests. So, uh, you know, interesting that they are also, you know, putting their stamp on a New York organization in a way. Absolutely. I had the chance to sit down with Rick just before Thanksgiving in Raleigh. He's got this amazing film production business yes. going. Yeah. That's really cool. They're all over the place. Yeah, yeah. He's it's a unique very shop. smart how yeah. they've put it all together and how... There's the PR and marketing at the center of everything he's doing. Sure, yeah. The content play is, is big, and um, we've got our brand film festival, actually, uh, which is out for submissions at the moment, which has become a big thing. Fourth year, and it's uh, a great event in May at the Paley Center for Media each year. Where we, and some of the films are on display are absolutely amazing. So, And we have you know Oscar award-winning directors there and uh, doing brand films so yeah rick's in that space too um tell us about icf frank there they uh, bought olsen and pulse point amongst other things and now they've sort of rebranded the offer haven't they and brought it all together right so uh the bottom line is icf is forming a new organization called icf next and within that group are going to be firms called firms from olsen engage olsen digital uh, Olson One to One Pulse Point Group, which is the Crisis and Corporate Bob Feldman, a, yes, a, uh, columnist uh, of ours. Yep, uh, and London-based the Future Customer, and we are Vista. So it's going to be a an organization with revenue of more than three hundred million dollars. Clients will include BMW, Kraft Heinz, Miller Coors, Mars, uh, and government uh, agencies in the U.S. and EU. Um, this is all going to be effective in January. So there's going to be a new consolidated agency out there called ICF Next, and it is going to be led by John Armstrong, who is a veteran of the IBM IX organization. Okay, interesting. And um, that would probably take them into the top 10 global firms, won't it? Or at least definitely into the top 10 US firms. Yes. Um, because most of their, I think most of their revenues are US-based. I'm not sure. Um, not all of them, but most of them are. So yeah, interesting stuff. What's your take on that, Kim? You know, the whole branding thing, you know, agents. There's a lot of consolidation in, in the agency business, isn't there? And um, we've, we've reported on loads of deals over the last uh, nine months. So why, why is that, do you think? And uh, what's the secret to doing a good merger or acquisition? Oh, my goodness. I wish you I did knew. One, you I'd did be... one of those back in the day, didn't you? I don't know. Um... Emanate when it was... Yeah, I don't know how how much I want to claim success. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I think it's so interesting. There have been so many that have gone on this year, right? Yeah. This year alone. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you always have this emotional reaction like, oh, Olsen Engage, what a great brand. Or Text 100, what an amazing brand. It's just going to go away. But, you know, I guess it points to the need for reinvention in our industry. And you know what? There's a lot of power behind being new as I'm trying to milk as long as I can. <laughs> but for a new agency, it's there's some you know momentum that you get just by being new. So I think there is an opportunity to really leverage the heck out of that. And this ICF combination, like what a bunch of smart players are coming together there. 
Yeah, no, for sure. Pulse Point's a very smart play, isn't it? And Olsen's done some great work. Yeah. So, yeah, some good stuff there. And don't forget Burson, Conan, Wolf. That's probably right. the biggest one of the lot this year. So, yeah, the, the deals continue. And um, I, th I think they probably will continue. Does that mean you have fewer members? Sadly, it does. <laughs> yeah, that's the only downside, isn't it, I suppose? That uh, is, but you know what? There are, I'm excited to grow our membership. I mean, this is just back talking about me, but, you know, I think the council has so much to offer, so many agencies. That we only have a fraction of the agencies in this country. So, you know, bring on the consolidations. We'll get bigger members, but there's so many other agencies out there. Yeah, yeah. No, for sure. Um, Amazon, Frank, they apparently, this is reported in the journal, wasn't it? They're it was. apparently hiring an agency to deal with the backlash following this sort of Twin Cities uh, pitch process. Yes, they people, are close. People have been a bit cynical about it, haven't they? They are close to hiring public affairs firm SKD Knickerbocker, uh, which is led by Hillary Rosen, of course. Another former on. guest. We've had so many great guests on this we podcast. Have. We have. She was on a couple of weeks ago. And uh, they're basically going to help it, assuming they're hired, uh, calm the waters uh, with local audiences, government officials, things of that nature, uh, before they open their new HQ2 campus in Long Island City, New York, and Queens. Yeah, because there's a little bit of cynicism that they kind of knew all along where they were going to end up, you know, Long Island. And right, Maryland. and the tax breaks were mm -hmm. considerable. And, you know, there are a lot of people that would like to see that money put towards other things. Um, so, yeah, the I mean, e there, there are mixed feelings on it, for sure. Would you like some of that money to go towards the E-Train and upgrading it? Uh, well, I prefer the F. Oh, right. You know, either, either <laughs> any of them would work for Upgrade me, any. truly. Any of them would work for me. Yeah, it's an interesting one, that, and um, they're, they're, that's an interesting type of uh, brief as well, isn't it? I it mean, is. I, I, that's the real sort of in-the-weeds in sort of work of, I'd love to get Hillary back on and talk about that. But I'll wasn't just... it, you know, it seems like a lot of the criticism has been that they didn't engage all of the proper groups. Right. You know, so I'm curious where they're sitting right now. Do they think that it was a good strategy to go forward, get it done, ask forgiveness later, or, you know, would they have modified the way they went about making that decision and announcing it? Yeah, it's a good question because they got so much publicity, didn't they, for a yeah. whole year. You know, it was a great sort of PR exercise, well, a communications exercise for Amazon. So, And the um, data mining aspect, too, is really yeah. fascinating. And playing right. them off against each other, like, well, this city's offered us this, and right. you, know, you need to match it, etc., etc. So, yeah, look, bottom line is we've got 8,000 Amazoners coming into Long Island City, so uh, that's going to change the economy. They're going to be on your train, Frank. <laughs> They're all going to be on your train. <laughs> no, but it's going to change the economy of the it city. Really, it? it really will. And, yeah. you know, if you followed how Long Island City has developed over the past 10 years, it's almost like this little like city within a city over there now in that you have... Uh, city banks out there. Right. City banks out JetBlue is out there. Yeah. And so you have a lot of folks who are living in the new high-rises there who, you know, don't have that much of a reason to leave the neighborhood sometimes. Yeah, it's up and coming, Long Island yeah. City. Really, it will is. only get more up and coming with this development. So yeah, go go and check it out before Amazon moves in and before it becomes totally gentrified and uh, uh, unaffordable. Um, and you can't get in the restaurants um, like the rest of Manhattan. Anyway, enough of my uh, gripes. Uh, let's turn Frank Fortnite. Yes. 
You must be an expert on this. I'm not, uh, uh, Wendy's, the burger chain, has weighed in on Fortnite. Tell us all about that I'm, story, please. I'm not please, a big video because... game expert, uh, I have to admit, though. I, you'll be interested in this. I did attempt to uh, take up playing football manager uh, with limited success. And that would be football in the soccer yes. sense, the original yeah, football you know, the the game. Whole... The game actually played with the feet. The whole action, football. you know, yeah. transferring people is really where it, yeah, yeah. it got to me. And it got over my head. Uh, anyway, okay, so Fortnite is it's an ultra-popular uh, game, I'm told. Um, you nearly said geeky then, didn't you? Uh, no, so evidently, I'm, I'm not a Fortnite player, as you could probably I'm looking at our production crew here. They look much more. There is they, a... They know much so more there's a, from what I can make of this, a lot of people play Fortnite. There's a fictional burger chain on the in the Fortnite universe, <laughs> uh, and this fictional burger chain called Der Burger they freeze their burger meat, which is offensive to Wendy's, and so they had a Wendy-like character really like uh, beat up the place. Interesting. Yeah. So I mean, this is a sort. Of, I think this is really creative. I think it's a good example of look. They're obviously targeting a younger audience through social media. They're going where their audience is. That's smart. All about smart. I. I mean, I'd love to know what they see as you know the effective results from this. So you know what they said was that when this was mentioned, forty three thousand in forty three thousand comments on Twitter over ten hours, which is a lot. But you know, how does that translate mm -hmm. to? brand affinity how does it sold. translate to sales yeah so i mean i would love to know what are the actual actionable results from yep. this other than you know social media or brand awareness among an age group but i do think it's a i do think it's an interesting move i'm guessing sean zanecki on the team would know a bit about this i think he's into all that stuff does anyone remember second life yes i do we do you know there was a pr week second life for like a was there for like a week or two I, well, I was on a brand called Media Week in the mm. UK at that point. We had a columnist, my deputy, called Colin Grimshaw. He wrote some great little op-eds, and he ended one about Second Life with, Second Life, get a life. <laughs> and uh, he was proven to be quite accurate, because it sort of crashed and burned and was never seen again, was it? But uh, from an agency point of view, Kim, I mean, you have to be up to date with all the new platforms as TikTok is the latest social media one, isn't it, that's coming from China. Um, how do you decide when to recommend to clients or how do you keep on top of all these things and sort of give advice about what the best channel is to invest in? Because as we've seen, you know, Facebook can change overnight. It changes its algorithm and your strategies can go out the windows. It's quite difficult, isn't it? It is. And I think, you know, in some ways, the larger agencies who can have more people focused in different areas, surfacing trends, you know, maybe it's easier for them. But, you know, I think that's a really brilliant role that young people can play in the business, yeah, you know, absolutely. surfacing those trends and great ideas for clients yeah. linked to those trends. Yeah. And I, I actually, I think little boutiques can, can be good at that as well, can't they? Because they can they really, really double down on it and really sort of deep dive into it but uh, and sometimes they've got smaller clients who will try things. turn on a dime and take a risk yeah. whereas your bigger brands maybe with bigger budgets they're sort of in a long-term program that they're not going to step out yeah. of 
But we do seem to be talking about these fast, quick service restaurants, fast food chains, whatever you want to call we them. Do. Burger chains, um, Taco Bell doing that thing in the UK with the Big Ben chimes. And KFC and the, the Apology. KFC, Wendy's, we had the Burger King cat walking over the keyboard last week. Oh, yeah. We had another one today we did about Burger King and McDonald's with geo-targeting and people... Burger King offering people in McDonald's stores burgers for a, a voucher to get a burger for a dollar and all this stuff. So it's a really competitive space, isn't it, where social media is becoming a bit of a background uh, backdrop to that war. So uh, plenty of stories there, especially for Diana Bradley on our consumer beat. And they get a lot of traffic, I must admit. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll keep doing them. Um, finally, uh, interesting developments this week. Frank Keith Weed and Paul Polman of Unilever both decided to retire over the last week. That's um, right. So Keith Weed is stepping down from his role as CMO. Uh, he's been a Unilever employee for 35 years. Uh, and it happens as Paul Pullman, all this CEO of Unilever, also steps down. So Keith is famous for his green jackets, isn't he? Is he? Yes, he is. Like a, like a master's champion. <laughs> yes. And, um, I didn't know that. No, he uh, wears them at Cannes. He's always very uh, visible at conferences and uh, industry events. And uh, That's something you might want to think about. What, a, a jacket color that stands out. Yeah. Pink or... Do we, for the podcast or just generally? In, in general, that yeah. could be your Well, you statement. are going to wear your Christmas jumper. I will be wearing that, yes. Um, That's in... a sweater. Sweater. Um, I'll be wearing that um, possibly next week or the week after. So that will be exciting for viewers on Facebook Live, especially. I'm sure that's uh, everyone's marking that on Traffic their calendar. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we've got, uh, is it Guillaume Herbet from MSL Group is on next week. And then it's uh, Andy Polanski, isn't mm -hmm. it? What a way um, to wrap up the year. Yeah, it's not bad, is it? Right. Two amazing guests, so look out for those. I, I'm not sure. I think I wore it with Andy a couple of years ago, so maybe I'll try it with Guillaume this time and see if he uh, comes and turns up in something festive. Um, anyway, Kim, thanks for being a guest. Sorry, I'm starting to ramble now. That's usually when it's time to wrap up the show. So thanks for being a guest. Uh, thanks Thank you for, having for me. Uh, telling us about the... Uh, your plans and uh, looking forward to tracking those uh, over the next 12 months. Frank, thank you. Always a pleasure. Uh, two more shows left this year. Let's make a big finish, yeah? Looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just a couple of customer service things. I mentioned the awards. You can buy your tickets March 21st. Big night, the Oscars of the PR industry. Our salary survey. Please do go and just take a few minutes to take that. We want it to be as accurate as possible and get as many people taking the survey as possible. It makes the data better and that makes better content. So that's out at the moment. And uh, just go to the website. You'll find it on our, all, our social channels or uh, Frank's no doubt going to promote it on the breakfast briefing of course. and uh, you can win a hundred dollars Amex gift card as well one lucky person will win that uh, out of uh, the people who take part the Hall of Femme we are taking nominations for that for the next two days so another one that we really need to uh, you need to get a move on if you're going to get uh, this women to watch in Hall of Femme so some of the most talented creative and brilliant women in PR we want to celebrate them next year in June, so please do get those nominations in. And uh, the Brand Film Festival, 
we have that, as I mentioned, in May. May the 2nd it will be next year. And uh, you have to get your submissions in for that by January the 14th. So please make sure you're working on that. And uh, finally, the Global PR Week Awards are also out. There's a lot of... Uh, sorry not usually have have the, as many programs so we're keeping you busy out there but all great great programs and uh, global pr week awards are open till uh, january as well so do check those out but that's all we got time for we'll see you next time on the pr week Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the PR Week. To find more episodes, visit prweek.com.